Welcome to the Leading in Love podcast. If you are a leader in any capacity who is married or considering marriage, you're tuned into the right place. We help leaders take care of their marriages. Remember, you are a successful leader and your marriage and family can be successful too. You don't have to sacrifice leadership for love and you don't have to sacrifice love for leadership. And now, here are your hosts, Gary and Julie. Hey, hey, hey. Yo, what's going on out there? How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Wonderful. Yeah, I love looking at your face, you know, especially when we're doing this thing. Oh, yeah? I love looking at your face when we do a lot of things. <laughs> we're going there today? Uh, yeah. No, let's not. Not on the podcast, not today. However, we're happy that you guys have joined us. And what are we talking about today? So this is part two of our series entitled Nonstop Marriage. Yeah. So how you create a marriage that extends beyond, you know, till death do us part. Okay. Because it seems as if, you know, you get on the stage, you give your vows, and then at some point you expect the marriage to just die out. Then you go find a girlfriend or a boyfriend and you move on with your life. But the objective is that when you get together with your spouse, can you see beyond, right, beyond till death do us part or till the marriage falls apart? Mm-hmm. So, we came up with a bunch of ideas through a lot of research and a lot of uh, examining. Yeah. Ways to create a non-stop marriage, where your marriage is just so exciting and there's so much happening. Mm-hmm. Right? That you can't, like, the whole idea till death do us part doesn't even exist in your mind. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So, in part one, we talked about the practical things that make your marriage become non-stop. And mm-hmm. they are... Purpose, passion, values, health and wellness, wealth, family and community. And we're not going to get into all of these in this podcast. That's in podcast, the previous podcast. Mm-hmm. We encourage you to go back and listen to the, that podcast because there's a ton of valuable, valuable information there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So our focus for this episode is checking in with each other, where we put the onus on each Spouse to make it a point to frequently talk, okay? Spouses who talk to each other have a better chance of success than those who are silent to each other. We will be talking about why it is the utmost importance to communicate, but not just communicate. Communicate early and often. We know that communication in marriage is one of the challenges that couples face. Many couples haven't figured each other out, and some are not patient enough to do the work to figure each other out. Yeah. Some want to be heard, but they refuse to listen. Yeah. Some listen, but never speak up. Yep. Some keep scores and then bury their spouse with examples and evidence of mistreatment or they overwhelm their spouse with examples of how great of a spouse they have been. True. So, at the end of this episode, you will have in your repertoire two important concepts that will keep your marriage going. Yeah, so we spend a lot of time trying to teach our children the importance of being vocal about their needs mm-hmm. and their feelings. Like, we do that. Absolutely. I'm talking about me and you. You and I, yeah. yeah. So, you know, they have responsibilities at home. Um, when they come from school, mm-hmm. they have certain responsibilities. Before school, they have certain responsibilities. 
And, you know, we don't want to hear, oh, yeah, why didn't you finish your cleaning or cleaning your room? Mm. The vacuum's broken, but you're on Netflix. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Or playing right? some video games. Or you're on the video games. Or you know you're supposed to do your laundry. Yeah. And instead of telling us that you're out of laundry detergent, you're busy doing something else. Yeah. So we want to, we teach our kids to talk to us. Let us know what's going on. How are you getting along in class? Are you keeping up? Do you need help with your homework? Do you think you have too much homework? Yeah. Are you being treated fairly in class by the teacher Mm -hmm. and your classmates? Mm -hmm. Um, If you're invited to a birthday party, let us know what you, that you've been invited and find out what your friend wants. Yes, we know we're going to get the invitation, but... Mm -hmm. When they bring it up, it tells us if they're excited to go to the party. Mm-hmm. And it kind of gives us an idea as to the type of relationship they might have with that friend. Yeah. Or classmate. That, that child, yeah. Right? If they give you the invitation and they don't mention it ever again, then it might be an indication that, you know what, I, I don't really want to be at that party, mom. But they invited me, but I, and I'm giving you the invitation. Mm-hmm. Right, but if mm-hmm. they're really excited, they're chatting about it. Mom, don't forget to call up such and such and remind her about the birthday party that we're coming. Yeah, then we know that this is important to her, and they're probably, or him, and they're probably good friends. Absolutely. So we teach them to talk about how they feel, what they need, what they think they need, and further to that, we put together a set of family values that basic basically suggests how we are to treat each other. Mm-hmm. How we talk to each other. And everybody in this household, even our three-year-old, is accountable to this set of values. Mm -hmm. So, And it's good for them because our older children, who we've been communicating with for a number of years now, they can actually call us out as parents. If they feel that we're being unfair or violating their rights as children. Mm -hmm. And we've given them that power Mm -hmm. to speak up, speak often, speak early. And this is true. If you're a leader in an organization, you know the value of checking in with employees and owners. Corporations have to communicate with their shareholders about how the year went and what they anticipate in the upcoming fiscal year. And companies that last do annual checks on the organization and their employees. Yeah. You know, they want to find out how are we doing? Where are we heading? Right. Where do we want to go? What should change? What does change look like? Mm-hmm. Does this goal still make sense? Who are, where's the bus going? Who should be on it? Who should right. be kicked off the bus? And who's driving the bus? Yeah, that's true. Right? These questions require communication. And in essence, constant communication. Mm-hmm. A good end of year evaluation is best done when you evaluate every day. Yes. Not just December 31st or whatever your fiscal year is. Right, So these questions have to be answered through constant communication. Within the communication, you're setting up yourself for scrutiny mm-hmm. and evaluation. Mm-hmm. So when issues arise, you bring them up early so you can either nip it in the bud or mm-hmm. at least start looking at it to see if it's malignant or benign. Yeah. In your marriage, it's the same thing. You can't yep. both drive the bus at the same time. But when you communicate early and often, then it's okay for one person to drive the bus and the other the co-pilot. Right. Right? So, essentially, in this podcast, we're trying to answer the question, what are the benefits of communicating early and often? And then further, what are the challenges that might derail mm-hmm. communicating early and often? So, we have a list of six. Six, yeah. I believe. 
And we're just going to take turns going through them one by one. Right. And giving our feelings on each topic. So the first one, you learn how each spouse communicates your values, purpose, and passion and desires. Just a quick recap of what values, purpose, and passion are. Desires are your wants. Almost can't live without, okay? Or what or what would your what would make your marriage perfect? Okay. Okay? Your values are your standards and principles. So in our marriage, I process things out loud. You do. And you don't. I do not. No, you don't. You finally discovered after 12 years of marriage that you need to give me the freedom to think and process. So when I'm talking, let me get to the other side of my thoughts. Yeah, I kind of jump in on you. Yeah, you always kind of jump in. A lot. <laughs> exactly. A lot of the times you get tempted to jump in and you interrupt my thought process and we get into a fight. Not like a. Not, well, no, I'm not licking you down. <laughs> <laughs> but we get into an argument. Yeah, yeah, okay? and that just, just makes things worse. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You, on the other hand, process things in your head because you need time to think. I also become tempted to interrupt by asking, what are you thinking about? True. Sometimes I have to step back and wait for the right cue that, okay, it's time to talk. Because we understand how each other communicates, we are better deciphering what each other's values, desires, passion, and purpose are. That's true, and uh, it took a lot of time to get there. Yeah, it did. I find it, we mentioned this before, that it took me more than 12 years to realize that when you are thinking, Mm -hmm. you talk it out. I do, I think And then I might hear something that triggers, and I want to jump in and address that point, but you're not on the other side of your thoughts yet. No. So I haven't I, concluded, and sometimes it might even take a few days right. where certain things come up, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the next day, a thought comes to that point, and then the third day, another third thought comes to that point, <laughs> and then by the end of the week, I've drawn a conclusion, I'm done, we're going on what? from that situation because of this is how I think, and you're like, okay. Let's move on. Yeah, well, it took me a while to get there because I'm just like, yo, are we not? I th- we stopped talking Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> You're still adding you more still to this bringing on us Friday, to... and I and I was and settled on what happened like, Tuesday. Yeah, and I'll call you at work. <laughs> you know, I'll call you, I'll call you at on on the way to work because yeah. I woke up and the thought came to my mind yeah, again, yeah, and I'm true. adding, and it could not even just be about you and I. It's just in general with a lot of things yeah. with you know, other relationships that we have. And for you, it's the same way. I, I I look at you and I can see you thinking now. And I've came to learn. I'm like, okay, what's going on? And because of myself and the way that I think, I, I want you to talk out loud. But I have to remind myself, sit back for a minute, take a chill pill, Juliana. Yeah. Don't harass him. Let him get to his process. Before you get worked up and start an argument. And I really want to drive this point home that it took 12 years for me to understand that. If Julie's calling twice a day (laughs) and she's initiating the calling, 
that means she's thinking and she's putting things together. Yeah. Don't get upset and say, yo, you're bothering me and blah, blah, blah. Wait for those five days to pass yeah. until she gets to the other side of her thoughts. Mm-hmm. And now she's ready for my opinion. Absolutely. That takes a lot of patience. And you know, maybe people out there have that issue. Yeah. Why does my why does my wife or my spouse keeps changing their minds? Yeah. But they're not changing their like. minds. Yeah. They're putting two and two they're together going back and, forth. and they're talking about it. Or why is my spouse not talking to me all week? Right. My spouse hasn't spoken to me but apart from daily activities. Right, but right. then they come to you. I think one of the best things to do, I heard this from one um one elderly actually she would write down notes Mm -hmm. she had a book of notes things that she wanted to discuss because her spouse would take time to discuss and he needed the time to think about it and so she would write it down and then hand him the book and when he saw the book he knew my wife wanted to discuss so she would sit there and wait until he was ready and when he was ready, he would come and approach her and talk. And sometimes it took even two weeks mm-hmm. for her to wait. Yeah, but you know what? Within that two weeks, there's constant communication. Because yeah. remember, another thing is that a lot of what is communicated is not verbalized. Mm-hmm. But she can see from his expressions, from mm-hmm. his attitude, that he's still processing things. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And you... I could see that she still processes it because she wants to talk about this thing mm-hmm. or she wants me to hear what she's thinking. Mm-hmm. And you're not asking me for my opinion. <laughs> May I just chat and chat? You're chatter, just chatter, saying chatter. until you say, okay, I'm done thinking. Here's what I think. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Now, the only thing is that then I go into five days of quiet thinking. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Unless I have actually have an opinion right yeah. away. But yeah. it depends. So. That's the first one. The next thing is that you set the stage for role assignment and collaboration. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes people get married and they forget to have the discussion on who's going to be doing certain things. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of expectations that are tied to assumptions or presumptions. Mm -hmm. They assume that the roles will naturally take care of themselves and they assume that the rules will be naturally assigned to, to, to these roles. So when we got married... And had our first child. Mm-hmm. I had just graduated university, and you were still in school. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I landed my first job, and the hours were kind of, you know, a little bit weird. But uh, you were home because you had taken some time off school, obviously, to take care of our child. Yeah. Right. And we knew that it was a matter of time before you're going to jump back into school. Right. Maybe a year, typical, you know, amount of time we take off. And we had to figure out what things would look like for us when you go back to school, mm-hmm. you have an infant, we have an infant, mm-hmm. you're in a program where you can't miss class, yeah. and I have to be at work 40 hours a week. Yeah. And even as our family grew, we kept having to have this conversation. Okay, who's going to be doing what? Where are you going to be? Who are our key partnerships that's going to contribute to helping us get through our day, our week? Absolutely. Right? And imagine if we had just waited until a decision had to be made, like, say, the night before, you know, you went back to school. Yeah. 
would have been in a lot of trouble. We've been cornered. Would have failed everything. Right, because then <laughs> one of us would just carry all the responsibility. Absolutely. Oh yeah, we're going along, and then all of a sudden you just hit a wall, and you're like, man, I can't do this no more. Can Absolutely. you jump back in? Well, you've already created a lot of habits. Yeah. And the expectations and uh, the assignments are established, but they yeah. weren't properly assigned. Right. And that's a big problem. Absolutely. And the next one, then, is you spread the responsibility and accountability. In order to have accountability, you must have assigned responsibility, typically expressed through assigned roles. Yep. Spouses struggle assigning responsibilities nowadays because both spouses are busy outside of the home. True. And traditionally, mothers are the primary caregivers, not just for children, but for husband as well. Right. So they got to take her to the whole house and right. got to go to work, and these work 40 hours, come ha- and cook. Exactly. And these roles are slowly changing. Yeah. But naturally, um, mothers want to jump into those roles, yeah. right? Yeah. Some have outsourced some of the more but mon- mundane tasks like cooking, cleaning, and taking care of children so that they can pursue their careers. But outside of those things, there is still a marriage relationship to grow. Right. When you communicate early and often, you let your spouse know what you expect of them and yourself. Very important. But when you also open the conversation for whether or not each spouse is capable of carrying out the role off the bat or do they need some type of development? Yeah, because even in marriage, you need training. One hundred. I yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, you're laughing, but it's true. You're right. Yeah, you got to learn how to, you know, maybe change diapers, cook, whatever. It, there's just something that you have to do. Yeah, you have to learn some stuff. Mm-hmm. For example, one spouse has taken on significant leadership at work. Yeah, this usually means more money, and it could be a change in lifestyle and access to a great network. Okay. Yep. But with so many hours in the day. The roles at home usually have to be rebalanced. Yep. Having a look at what could happen to your marriage now requires you to really talk it through. I agree. If you get the conversation going early and keep it going, then when your spouse is on a business trip, one spouse doesn't feel abandoned. When your children have games or special recitals, you plan for these things early so that no one feels abandoned. Yep. Not your spouse, not your children. Right. When things are brought up early, now it's up to both spouses to grab their share of responsibility to make it happen. And if things don't go as planned, then accountability can be spread appropriately. Yes. If there is no grounds or reference point for spreading responsibility, then spouses end up blaming each other. Or they put they they point to the obvious or they flat out accuse each other. I agree with all that. So then the next part is that uh, when you communicate early and often it helps you prepare for transition that comes with change. Mm-hmm. So anytime there's change, there's grief. If you were once single, then you became married, mm-hmm. then you might, for at least for a period, you're going to reminisce on being single and being able to do whatever you wanted to do 
At any time. At any time. Mm-hmm. But now your spouse is saying, uh, uh, no, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> right? So anytime there's change, there's, there's grief. So it's very important to communicate your grief as it's happening mm-hmm. and what that grief is. Now, the thing is that people are very quick to get offended. Mm. And I understand, like, within certain contexts. Like, for example, you know, you were dating a girl and then you broke up with her. Then you got married to your next girlfriend. And you were thinking about the times when you, before you weren't married, but you were in relationships. Mm-hmm. Probably a bit more freedom there. Mm-hmm. And then you, they might bring up their grief and you're like, oh, well, all you do is thinking about that girl. No, it's not really about the girl, but it's about the transition from being in a, in a relationship where it wasn't on lockdown to being in a relationship where now it's way more serious. Mm-hmm. Right? So that, that's the kind of grief that can happen from time to time. Mm-hmm. So, like, perfect example. When you decide to start your business, things were busy, mm-hmm. but they became very, very busy. Mm-hmm. And, like, the preparation was busy, like, putting your business plan together. The meetings you had with clients. Remember, we had to drive all over the place for a bit. Yeah. We were in New York. We're in Toronto. We're in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Like, meeting with clients. Right. Right. Meeting with suppliers. Yeah. You're on the phone with, with suppliers on the West Coast at yeah. random times. Yeah. Right? Six-hour gap. And you had to be prepared to talk to these people for at least an hour. Mm-hmm. So, uh, scheduling these phone calls, you know, constantly talking <laughs> with customers, seeing what customers wanted. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Planning for marketing, for advertising, public relation meetings, consultations over the phone for yeah, web design, putting your project plan together for official launch day, photographers, models, all these things. There was so much that went into it. And there was four children. <laughs> and I, I still have, I was, I have my job. Yeah. Right? So I, I was still focused on my career. And we're both very active in the community. So... That was a lot of changes. And you had recently moved from your management role yeah. in nursing yeah. to now running, becoming the CEO of your own organization. Absolutely. And having to coordinate so many different things. So that's those are big changes. Yeah. And so it required you to talk about the grief. Man, this is different. You know, before I used to have people I could just tell what to do. And now I'm the one that has to be on the phone, calling people, making these schedules. Right. Until you got to a point where you figured out you were able to put people in certain places. Yes. It was a big, big transition. Absolutely. But we anticipated this. We did. We talked about it. Right. We knew how it would affect our family. We talked about best case scenarios. Yeah. Worst case scenarios. And we decided that, you know what, regardless, if we're in a, we're in a worst case scenario, best case scenario, we're going to hang in there. Mm-hmm. We're not going to leave each other. And this kind of stuff, that kind of constant talking helped us become secured in anticipating our next steps. Yeah. And overall, it actually made everything exciting. It did. It even made it, things exciting for our children. Yes. The older ones, of course. The uh, first three. Why? Because we shared with them. Yeah. Once Gary and I figured out what the expectations would be, we told our children how things are going to change a little bit more. You're going to see mom working at home, traveling more. Yeah, we had, remember we pulled them out of school a couple of times. Hey, guys, uh, how about a trip to New York tomorrow? Yeah, Yay! exactly. Yeah. And then we even said to them, you know what? Because we're starting a business, vacation is not going to be on an annual basis right now. Right, not right now. 
Not right now. Let's put it on pause. So, they were ready. They were so sweet, actually. Yeah, they were really supportive. They didn't complain. Very supportive. They keep at. They kept asking. Well, they're still supportive. They're still very supportive. Yeah. But again, everyone was prepared. Well, the good thing is that now our oldest is old enough, and he starts. He's doing a lot of the research mm-hmm. for our. Uh, yeah, he's he's been hired. Yeah. He was hired. <laughs> and that's great. And he loves it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So the next one helps you move from chaos to concept, or chaos to structure, or chaos to definition. At the outset, your marriage is chaotic. Of course. Likewise, when your child joins your family. It is chaotic. It takes time to build structure. For some, the entire experience is traumatic and chaotic. Some things in life require trial and error, or several iterations, especially when there are uncontrollable states involved like economic fluctuations. Consider putting a family budget together that allows you to cover all the important financial milestones like purchasing a home, college tuition, a child, getting married, a spouse passing away. All of these financial decisions are affected by the rise and fall of interest rates. Well, you're getting all economic tonight. Listen. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, some things you don't really get to make repeated mistakes because someone (laughs) is impacted. You do get some time to make corrections and grow from the corrections, but you can't keep making the same mistake. Absolutely not. Like, you cannot repeatedly yell at your daughter and her mother and say that it's out of love. That could cause you, that could cause her to think first that a loving father is one who yells at their child. And that a loving husband is one who yells at his wife. The same things happen for many, for any child, and how you relate to your spouse. These kinds of behaviors eventually destroy marriages, right? I agree. Communicating early, talking about the needs, perhaps the most pressing needs, then conversing on the requirements to fulfill that need. Then, discussing who should take what role and one's capabilities in fulfilling that role. Mm -hmm. What support is available? What happens when our child turns three years old? What happens when one of us move in our career or move up in our career? What happens when our business gets scaled up to a new level of revenue and and, and profit? And we are able to expand our services. What do you think will happen to our marriage? Some of our friends and family have dealt with this after their responsibilities at work changed or a child comes in the relationship. That's for sure. I remember when we first got married, you were busy playing ball all day, every day. Well, no, I'm joking. Yeah. Not all day, every day, but, but you were playing maybe a too lot, much. <laughs> right? When the second child shows up, I said, "See, okay, Gary, you need to slow down with this. Things need to change up. Go work more money." <laughs> <laughs> well, nah, no, I'm 
No, he didn't say that. But it was just I like, okay, you that. can't be out at 6 p.m. Prime family time. Yeah. Running up and down some ball court, so, trying to throw a ball in the net. Bouncing a ball and throwing it in the with net. With no shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know what, though? He came to a pretty good strategy. He went when it was convenient, right, for the family. But I think he told me a few years after that he would carry a ball around in the car. And occasionally, he would be driving the neighborhood, mainly during the warmer months, or driving home or driving somewhere. I said going to, to get go, groceries. To go pick up some milk or <laughs> some eggs. And he'll go shoot for about five, ten minutes. Yeah, I just got to get that itch he out. Just has to... <laughs> you still have that but, itch. I mean, now I get to play at like 9 p.m., which is always a bad idea. Because I'm home at what, 11. Early. I'm home at 11. I'm so... All the adrenaline's <laughs> running all through my body, and I can't sleep. I fall asleep at like 1.30. I got to be up at 5. But you rarely... Play that late. Yeah, but I'd rather play in the mornings at like 5 a.m. Yes. No, sorry, you know, at 7. Yes. And I go to work and get a headache by 11, so. <laughs> <laughs> Bottom line is, when these things are discussed at high frequencies, then it helps you move from chaos to concept, either quicker or at a steady, manageable pace. Yes. Okay? The next point is prevents you from repeatedly making the same mistakes. This is true especially after you have looped through the options and made testing mistakes. Ooh, now you turn computer person? Let's go. You went from economics to computer? Let's go. <laughs> Unfortunately, in marriage, some tests are destructive. Now you turn statistician? Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm messing around. Go ahead. Go you ahead. know how you can ex- experiment drugs? Or alcohol. Or a hobby. Yeah, you just try them out. Right. Some things are hard to experiment with. In your marriage, you can experiment aspects of communication. Like how you say things. Or when you say things. Or why you say things. But things like hanging out with the opposite gender. And keeping in touch with ex-girlfriends. Or having work wives. or work husbands, these are destructive experiments because they could lead to infidelity, mistrust from your spouse, and, of course, your marriage being destroyed. Yep. When you communicate early and often, it increases accountability to one another and maybe others. Yeah, to an extent, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like key partnerships. Absolutely. Key important people. So then the last point is that um, <clears throat> it helps, or communicating early and often becomes a catalyst for a culture of discipline in your marriage. And this is basically what you're gunning for, okay? You're trying to create a culture of discipline where you have established values and rules for the way your marriage operates. Mm-hmm. Now, these rules are for the benefit of your marriage, mm-hmm. not somebody else's. Though, if asked for advice, mm-hmm. maybe a young couple... Mm-hmm. You know, it could be a guideline for someone else, but not necessarily a rule book. It's just for you. Now, there's a great book out there written by Jim Collins. I think it was written in two, th- sometime in the 2000s, maybe 01. Mm-hmm. 
And it's called Good to Great. And in the book, he makes the following claims about creating a culture of discipline. And I quote, All companies have a culture. Some companies have discipline. But, but few companies have a culture of discipline. When you have disciplined people, you don't need hierarchy. When you have disciplined thought, you don't need bureaucracy. When you have disciplined action, you don't need excessive controls. Mm -hmm. When you combine a culture of discipline with an ethic of entrepreneurship, you get the magical alchemy of great performance. Take that and translate that to your marriage. Mm. When you have a culture of discipline, there's less mistakes, mm -hmm. your values are communicated, mm -hmm. your passions and your purpose is understood, mm -hmm. right? right. Uh, you don't, like I said, you don't make the same mistakes. Um, you move from chaos to definition and structure quicker, mm -hmm. okay? So a new child comes in the family, you could, you're able to settle things. And the culture of discipline is one where responsibility is taken and truth is spoken. And this is critical. Mm -hmm. Nothing worse than spouses who won't admit to their wrongs or won't speak the truth. Mm. If you can't tell your spouse the truth, who are you going to tell it to? Let's go. Right? You're right. So those are the six benefits that we pointed out that are great. But uh, sometimes they can be idealistic. You know, unfortunately, sometimes we get all theoretical. It's like right. the ideal state. Right. But a typical Joe, you know, is not dealing with those things mm -hmm. or it doesn't show up in that same order. Um, but the, again, they don't stand alone without doing some work or looking at what negative externalities are likely to crop up. There are some challenges that can derail the benefits of communication early and often. Mm -hmm. So what's the first one? Well, you have to listen as much as you speak. Like, or maybe more than you speak. Maybe even more yeah, than yeah. you but speak. But I think if you listen as much as you speak, you're in good shape. Absolutely. Yeah. Like Maya, Maya Angelou said, if you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change your attitude. Ooh. Don't expect things to change or get better or expect someone to always be willing to take their share of the responsibility. When you refuse to hear what they have to say. And when you listen, listen effectively. Be cognizant of the conversation. Yes. Pay attention to triggers. Pay attention to pet peeves. Be willing to apologize. See where you are dropping the ball and accept responsibility. Maya Angelou also said, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. Mm -hmm. If your spouse says, I feel that you don't value me because you don't listen, you cannot deny them that their feeling is inaccurate. You might be gaslighting them, which leads, to our next point. Yeah, do not gaslight your spouse. <laughs> and I just kind of came across this term from this movie I was watching called Gaslight. Mm -hmm. And in, in Britain, in UK, it was called Gaslight. But when it came to America, they changed it to Angel Street. So gaslighting is actually, it became a psychological term that describes the form of a psychological abuse in which one spouse 
gradually manipulates the other spouse to believing that they are going insane. Mm. Okay, there was a play by Patrick Hamilton back in 1938, and it's why the man who convinced his spouse that she was going crazy. I ended up, I'm not a classical movie guy. You're more into, you know, like good quality classic yeah. type movies. Yeah. But I just stumbled up on this one because the term really, and then the term that came from that really interested me. So, in the movie, the, I guess kind of the, the pivotal point in the movie was when the gentleman was upstairs searching with the gaslight. And the thing is, the way it works, um, once you turn on an extra light, it dimmed the other lights in the house. Mm-hmm. And his wife was convinced that, he's like, she's like, wait a minute, the lights dimmed. Mm-hmm. I saw the lights dimmed. And he told her that it was all in her head. Mm. So that's gaslighting. Mm-hmm. Okay, like, it's like setting your spouse up for failure. Mm. Okay, your spouse wants to be an author. And you sabotage the entire process by playing mind games with her right. or him. And then mm-hmm. you convince them at the end that the failure is all their fault and they're going crazy. Yeah. Do not gaslight. Terrible. Yes. The next one is do not overpower your spouse. You did not earn the right to degrade your spouse because you are the primary breadwinner. Yeah, that's not fair. Sorry. You are somebody's child. Your spouse is somebody's child. Your spouse is a human being with wants, needs, desires, hopes, and dreams. If anyone who is on that weaker sex tip, get off it. It's amazing that there are still people out out there smacking up their wives. <laughs> well, I shouldn't laugh at that. Yeah, you shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. But... It's it's just shocking in, in, in this day and age that people are still doing that. Mm-hmm. And I know that there are women out there who are steady thumping up their husbands. Yeah, you can't say thump. 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 They're they're <laughs> they're thumping up their husbands as well. Yeah. Threatening them. Maybe even blackmailing them. That's not a safe environment. Do not use your assets, money, education, things you know about them to overpower your spouse and make them live in fear. Right. And then finally, be honest and truthful. One of the easiest ways to lose value in any relationship is by telling lies. Mm -hmm. Nobody wins when you tell lies. Not you. Mm -hmm. Not the other person. Absolutely no one. Always make it a point to tell the truth. After all, if one spouse lies, mm. then they're putting the responsibility on the other spouse. Mm-hmm. And you can't properly share responsibilities if one spouse is constantly telling white lies or fibbing mm. or just straight up committing perjury. Mm-hmm. So basically, be fair. Always strive to be fair. Right. Always try to be honest with your spouse. So communicating early and often is another critical piece in ensuring a nonstop marriage. Mm-hmm. spouses are going to communicate and doing so early and often will help you discover what really matters to your spouse. You're spreading responsibility. You prepare for the psychological challenges that come with change and transition. You're able to go from chaos to structure. And it helps you not make the same mistake repeatedly. And, of course, it helps to create discipline in your relationship. Mm-hmm. Okay, so stay tuned for part three of the series where we talk about the rules of responsibility. How do you properly assign roles? How do you hold each other accountable to those roles? And then most importantly, 
how do you support each other in those roles? That's because great. that's where the ball gets dropped. The roles gets assigned, and then there's no support. Right. Stay tuned. All right, everybody. That is our feature for today. Thank you again for hanging out with us. We truly love spending time with you. All right. Remember, you, you are, are a successful, successful leader. And your marriage and family can be successful too.